You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Welcome to Panels of Blood, the podcast where I read you horror comics from all eras. I am your horror host, Wes Deadair Nipe. First up, I'd like to thank Rick Hunter for the use of our intro and outro music, and also Chris Begarin for all of his wonderful art. Before we get into the story, I'd just like to let you guys know, I posted about this on social media, but... If you guys are interested, this is about the time of the year where we come hat in hand, and by we, I just mean me, for support for the website. Now, splatterpictures.net and our SoundCloud account and everything uh, costs a wee bit of money, and every year you guys are extremely generous, and you donate towards the website and the podcasts. Every year we get a little bit closer to being 100% funded by you guys. One of these days I'd like to cross that barrier. And, and and so if you guys got some spare money, you can always toss a couple of dollars our way. Now, if you go to our website, spottedpictures.net, there is a donate button. It's just right to a PayPal and you just input whatever you want. And don't feel obligated if you just want to continue to listen to the podcast at no cost to yourself. Don't worry about it. I get it. Um, but if you would like... The best way to help the show that's not financially is if you are to share the show. So if you know anybody that likes comic books, likes horror movies, likes comics about horror, tell them to check the show out. And if you're just joining us, we are in Archipalooza. So we are doing The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in the last two issues of Sabrina. We've already covered. We got introduced to Sabrina and her aunts in this horror imprint version of the characters. And in the second issue, we got introduced to Madam Satan, who is now posing as Sabrina's drama teacher. So without further ado, I give you issue three of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Unholy Baptism, written by Roberto Aguirre Sacaza, art Robert Hack, letters Jack Morelli, publisher John Goldwater. We have Zelda, Hilda, and a young Sabrina holding Salem, walking through the woods. Zelda is holding a broom. Hilda, a picnic basket. It's windy. It's the afternoon. The caption reads, Prologue, August 1962. Hilda. It used to be in the old days, witch babies were baptized with unholy water on the first full moon after their birth. Caption, homeschooling, a field trip. Zelda, which never quite made sense to me. How could there not be a choice? Free will. Caption, the woods near Salem Village. Zelda's speech continues into the next panel, even though Sabrina is the subject. The fall The foundation on which our faith is based happened because of free will. A horizontal panel. Hilda. Then came the trials in... What gear, Sabrina? 
Sabrina in the background, her aunt Zelda in the foreground. She cuddles with Salem in her arms. 1692, summer and fall. Zelda, correct. The year of infamy. Zelda now, climbing up a small hill. When how many witches were executed? A close-up shot of Sabrina. She's got a ponytail. Her hair is far more blonde than white. She says, 19 by hanging, Aunt Zelda. One poor warlock crushed by stones. Hilda now holding up her arm. She casts a spell. The spell gives them an image from the past. The warlock in question with a large flat board over top of him. Over the board, another man is slowly piling large rocks on top of him, crushing him, his mouth pouring blood. Another man with a cane kneels over him. Zelda and young Sabrina look on, while Salem looks like he's about to jump out of Sabrina's arms. Hilda. That's right. Giles Corey, who, when asked to reveal the names of the other witches so that his life might be spared, famously said, Corey weakly, More weight, Zelda. He was a martyr and a hero, Giles Corey. May the Dark Lord bless and keep him. Now Sabrina, Salem, and her aunts are sitting down at a picnic. Hilda, the trials were the grimmest chapter in our history, Sabrina. Worse even than the Inquisition, when many more of our kind perished. Do you know why? Sabrina, um... Zelda, because it's the only time in our history when witch turned against witch, the most unspeakable betrayals, as if we didn't have enough enemies in the world. A close-up shot of Hilda's face, only half of it, her eye most prominent. She says, after the trials came the reformation, now a flashback of the High Council of Witches, a bunch of elderly people, four women, one man, all wearing red robes. They're sitting down at a table. In the center of the table are three severed heads. A man, a woman, and a child. Hilda goes on to say, When the High Council convened to revise witch law, the most controversial revision being about when a witch should be baptized. Zelda. Now, since that vote, the age of 16, when a young person on the cusp of adulthood, is fully capable of deciding for herself or himself whether or not to accept our Dark Lord's gift and fully embrace their witchhood. Hilda. She leans over to Sabrina for emphasis. It will be the single most important decision of your life, Sabrina. Zelda. For many, it's a straw law. But you, you actually can choose Sabrina to live as a mortal. Your father ensured that. Hilda, and whichever path you decide to follow, the path of light or the path of night, your Aunt Zelda and I want you to know we'll love and support you no matter what. Zelda, of course, should you choose to live as a mortal, you will live as a mortal, for better and worse. You'll grow older at the same rate they do. Your powers will fade over the years the way paintings do in the sun. Your whole life will be less, I don't want to say, remarkable. We now pan out to the three of them sitting on the blanket, enjoying the picnic. Hilda, you'll know love, true love, the possibility of it, at least. Sabrina, but aunties, I'm eleven. Sixteen's forever away. Hilda now dabbing her eye with a handkerchief. She pushes her glasses aside. Be here before you know it. Zelda, 
Merciful Mistopheles, Hilda. Witches are incapable of producing tears, so don't even try. Caption. End field trip. End prologue. That's a lot of exposition to give you a little idea about Sabrina's upcoming baptism. We are now back to the present. Sabrina and Harvey walking in the school hallways. Hand in hand, they look at each other adoringly. Harvey kind of looks like a goober, if you ask me. Leaning against the wall, with one foot against a door, her knee bent, is Madame Satan. In her human disguise of Evangeline Porter, Sabrina's teacher. The caption reads, The present, Baxter High. Miss Porter. Sabrina, do you have a minute? Sabrina and Harvey, looking back, still holding hands. Sabrina. Sure, Miss Porter. I'll catch up, Harvey. Harvey. Yeah, okay. I'll be at the car. See you manana, Miss Porter. Sabrina approaching Miss Porter. She says, Harvey Kinkle, is it? And he's your boyfriend. Sabrina, uh, yes? A close-up of Miss Porter. Red lips, white shocks of hair for her bangs. She's wearing some rather fetching cat's eye glasses. She says, lucky you. He's very handsome. He'll make a wonderful birdie in Bye Bye Birdie. A close-up of Sabrina's face. She looks quizzical. Oh, is that still happening? We were all thinking the musical might get cancelled since Miss Gardena's in, um... Walking in the halls together, Miss Porter finishes Sabrina's sentence. In a coma? No. In addition to taking over Miss Gardena's classes, Principal Caruthers asked me to assume stewardship of the drama club, including its production of Bye Bye Birdie. The show, as they say, must go on. Sabrina, I... I suppose... Still walking down the hallway, the camera pans out to get a better shot of the two. I found Miss Gardena's casting notes in her desk. She was planning to cast Harvey as Conrad Birdie, and either you or Rosalind as Kim. Sabrina, really? Rosalind? Miss Porter. Well, she does have red hair. The camera pans out even farther. You can see that the two are totally alone in this hallway. Miss Porter. To be honest, I was going to schedule callbacks, but I don't know. Even in just talking to you now, I have a sense that we'd get along so much better. Sabrina. Well, uh, I don't want to spread rumors. A tilted shot of Miss Porter. She looks down at Sabrina. She is uh, slightly taller than her. Oh no, go ahead. Spread away. A close-up shot of Sabrina. She's smiling wide. Last year, when the musical was South Pacific, Rosalind played Nellie. She was a complete diva and made Miss Gardena's life a living hell. An extreme close-up of Miss Porter's eyes. She looks sidelong to Sabrina. The whole panel is really just her eyes. It's, it's really quite gorgeous. She says, Mmm, a living hell. Well, no one wants that. It's settled then. Harvey is Bertie. You're Kim. And dear Rosalind can be one of the sweet apple kids. Or... She can go hang for all I care. Smiling, Miss Porter reaches out and touches Sabrina's shoulder. I'll post the cast list tomorrow, but if you want to tell Harvey, I wouldn't flay you alive. As long as you two lovebirds can keep it a secret. Sabrina. Oh, Miss Porter, thank you. We can. And thank you for trusting me with this role. I won't let you down. Internally, Miss Porter. No, mutt. You won't. She calls out to Sabrina as Sabrina walks away with a big grin on her face, holding her books. 
Oh, we're going to have the most lovely time, Sabrina. I can just tell. Sabrina. Bye, Miss Porter. Caption. Harvey. What did she want? We now see Harvey leaning against his car like he's in fucking Greece. They're in the school parking lot. Sabrina walks towards him. To give us some good news. It's hush-hush, but you're going to be Bertie and I'm going to be Kim. Harvey. Hey, cool. That means we get to make out in front of the whole school and no one can say anything about it because we're just acting. Sabrina. You're relentless. How did I know that was going to be your response? Harvey, putting a hand to his own chest. I don't know. Probably because I'm a horn dog. Sabrina. Yeah, you kind of are. A panel with the two kissing passionately. There's even a big old heart in the background, and inside that heart is more hearts. Harvey opens the door for Sabrina. He says, We should celebrate. Do something special. Sabrina. Definitely. You want to go bowling? Harvey. Tonight? We could. He closes the door and speaks to her through the car window. But uh, I was thinking about tomorrow night. Your birthday? And uh, something a little more special than bowling. The two now sitting in the car, still in the parking lot. Sabrina. Look, Harvey. Harvey. This is just about um, the grossest thing, but this is about where Harvey is basically going to beg for sex. So here we go. Harvey. Wait. Before you, like, shut me down, remember that I completely respect you, Sabrina. Sabrina. I know. I know you do. Harvey, with his arm on the steering wheel, is looking over to Sabrina. But I'm also 16. You're, like, hours from being 16. We agreed to wait, to make sure that what we had was real. And isn't it? Aren't we real? A close-up shot of Sabrina. We are. We are so real it hurts. By the way, these two are together because of a spell that Sabrina has cast on him. Harvey puts his arm around Sabrina. What is it then? It's your birthday tomorrow night. It's Halloween tomorrow night. Heck, there's even some weird lunar eclipse tomorrow night. Harvey gets close and whispers into her ear. Sabrina smiles slightly and has her eyes closed. Let's not fight destiny. The stars are aligning, Sabrina Spellman. Good lord, guy. Sabrina. Oh, you have no idea, Harvey Kinkle. Sabrina, looking away from him, turning her head, she pushes herself away from him by placing both hands firmly upon his chest. She says, But frustrating as it is, and it is for me too, I just can't. We have to wait for a while longer. Harvey. How come? Is it because you don't feel about me the same way I do about you? Sabrina is a little stung by that comment, but tries to reassure Harvey, who's just being a dick. By the way, and this is for anybody, if, if anybody starts off with, I totally respect you, and then proceeds to beg for sex, they don't respect you. Because if they did, no would be the final word on it. It's just my little bit of life advice for you. Sabrina says, no, not at all. It's just... Harvey, with an eyebrow raised, he looks pretty annoyed. What then? Tell me. Now, in a flashback, the caption reads, Six months ago, 
Sabrina is standing, getting her dress hemmed. Her Aunt Hilda, sewing the bottom. Hilda. Yes, I'm quite aware that it's the 1960s, Sabrina. And that there is such a thing as the women's liberation movement. But we belong to a much older women's movement, thank you very much. A close-up shot of Hilda as she looks up to Sabrina. And that, my dear, is a privilege that comes with certain rules. Which I'll remind you of yet again. Salem. Here we go. There will be... Hilda, surrounded by magic, floats in the air in front of Sabrina. It illuminates the entire room. There will be no defilement of any kind before a young witch's confirmation at the age of 16. And you're far too young to even be asking about such things. If that mortal boy's pressuring you, I'd happily prepare a potion of saltpeter that will curb his, shall we say, appetites. Sabrina. It's not Harvey, Aunt Hilda. It's me asking. I'm 15. It's what everyone at school is talking about. All the girls. Hilda pauses, still floating in midair, surrounded by an aura of magic. I understand. I do. So many challenges facing young women during these tumultuous times. But on this one extremely specific point, there is no middle ground. The magic dissipating, and now Hilda lands. If you plan on writing your name in the Dark Lord's book, you must be pure of mind and body. Sabrina, are you sure we're witches and not Puritans, Aunt Hilda? Aunt Hilda smiling and cups Sabrina's face with her hand. Take your time growing up, Sabrina. Witches, even half-witches, age very, very slowly. Also, any further questions in this area, might I suggest you ask your Aunt Zelda? Sabrina sighs, and a caption. Sabrina now in the present. I just can't. Sabrina looking down. And I can't tell you why, Harvey. Not yet. But you'll understand soon, she says to herself. I hope. And now an exterior shot of the car. Harvey and Sabrina sitting inside. And on top, a crow lands on the roof. Harvey. Okay, well, I've made my preference clear. And I'm not going to pressure you, Brina, but I do want us to do something for your birthday. An exterior shot of the car again. The crow looking down into the windshield. Harvey. So, um, should we maybe go to the pep rally tomorrow night? And then peel off to... Sabrina. I, I can't do anything tomorrow night. I've, I've got this family thing. A long panel of the exterior of the car, focusing on the roof. The crow walks to one side his beak towards the roof of the car. We see Harvey's just the top of his head, and he says, All right, of course. Which, let me guess, I'm not invited to. Sabrina with her eyes closed. I... I wish you were, Harvey. But it is family only. I'm not being a very good girlfriend right now, am I? Caption, The Crow, which is Madam Satan's familiar. They talked for another good ten minutes. All this blah, blah, blah. We see Miss Porter sitting on her desk, arms crossed. She looks over at the crow as he speaks. The crow is perched on a bust. Then, friggin' finally, they decide to celebrate her birthday on Saturday night. Maybe with some bowling. Maybe with a movie at the drive-in. But you ask me, 
The kid was pretty PO'd. Miss Porter. He's sexually frustrated, poor thing. And apparently hasn't a clue what his beloved truly is. Close up of her familiar. Nope. As far as he knows, she's just some stuck up prude. Miss Porter, with a finger to her lips in contemplation. So of course it makes perfect sense that he's not invited to her baptism. How could he be? She walks away. A mortal, laying eyes on the most unholy of ceremonies. He would be catastrophic for all involved parties. Her familiar, which I love by the way. It was, um, it's Martin Coleslaw. He was one of the guys that tried to pick up Miss Porter, Madam Satan, in the bar when she first arrived in town and uh, ended up dying in a bar fight. Her familiar, Martin Coleslaw, the crow, in mid-flight he asks, Why do they do it? The, uh, baptism. Do we know? Miss Porter, drawing a circle in chalk on the blackboard. Where? Where witches have been dancing with Satan since Lilith was banished from the garden. The woods, Martin. We have an exterior shot of those haunted woods that we've seen many times before. She goes on to say, The woods are the devil's cathedral. She continues to draw within the circle that she has already put on the blackboard. We just see the back of her head and her arm. If the ceremony's tomorrow night, they'll already have the area prepared. An exterior shot of the woods again. I need you to search the forests of Greendale. We now see Martin the Crow flying through the woods. You'll be looking for a clearing in the woods. And in the clearing, what looks like a stone altar. And sure enough, we see Martin flying towards a stone altar. It's like the stone table in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And we see what Miss Porter has been drawing on the blackboard. It is a circle with two crescents overlapping each other. And within that crescent is a line with a star at the bottom of it. And above the whole thing is a smaller circle with a little loop that makes it look kind of like horns. And then a sort of primitive stick man on the side of the whole thing. And Miss Porter says, And on that altar, a symbol that looks something like this, I suspect. And the same symbol that Miss Porter has drawn is on top of the stone altar that Martin the Crow has now landed on and is looking at. Martin, well, I'll be damned. Uh, poor choice of words. Establishing shot, Sabrina Spellman's house, night, a full moon. The caption reads, the house across from the cemetery. The night before the night. Sabrina. Nag? Naganina? We see Sabrina walking up the stairs to her cousin's bedroom. His two familiars, Nag and Nagana. Two cobras looking at her. Sabrina. Is my cousin awake? Nag. Which girl? You should be in bed. Nagana. Only bad things happen at this hour, witch girl. Ambrose says as Sabrina walks past the two serpents. Oh, us you two. You're my guardians, but you needn't be insufferable about it. In fact, he is awake, Sabrina. And he's been waiting for you. Come in. Don't mind the imp. And we see that, indeed, there is a devilish imp, black and smoldering in the corner. Sabrina, walking in on Ambrose. He's in his pajamas, sitting up in bed, reading a book. Sabrina, what are you reading? Re-reading. All of Patricia Hindsmith. How's your fast going? You hungry yet? Sabrina. Starving. 
All these rules, Ambrose. Sabrina's sitting down on Ambrose's bed, clutching her knees. He puts down his book and listens to her. Not being able to eat after midnight, not being able to speak after daybreak, burning candles every hour on the hour. Ambrose, look, it is our kind. We are witches after all, but it's part of the purification ritual. Sabrina, wistfully looking off to the side. Unless I back out. Ambrose holding his head. That's nonsense. You wouldn't dare. Sabrina. What if I'm making the wrong decision? You're not. It's cold feet is all. Ambrose lying back in bed, resting his head on his pillow. Listen. It's natural to be unnerved. I was before my baptism. Sabrina leaning forward on the bed and looking off over to him. But it's different for boys, isn't it? I mean, it matters less, doesn't it? Ambrose, in contemplation, he props his head up with his hand. Hmm, is that true? Yes, I suppose so. Ambrose sits back up in bed and faces Sabrina. The two of them, now cross-legged, sitting in front of each other. Sabrina. And then, there's the Harvey of it all. He can feel something's wrong. He can sense this wall going up between us, but, of course, I can't tell him anything. And then, after tomorrow night... Ambrose. Of course. Giador Harvey. He's sweet and nice, especially for a football player. But let me ask you, was he going to be forever? Close up to Sabrina. That's the thing. I don't know. I thought maybe possibly. Ambrose smiles and looks over at Sabrina. In the background, the foreground is just the back of Sabrina's head. Well, let me say this. If he's forever, you'll find a way. In the meantime, any interest in seeing what your aunts are getting you? To celebrate your baptism. Sabrina seems effectively distracted by this and looks over, looking a lot happier. Or at least curious. You mean, like a gift? Ambrose taking Sabrina by the hand and hurries her along. They're now down in the old morgue. This home was uh, is across the cemetery and was an old funeral home. We see that there are bodies covered in sheets on either side of them. After all, they are casually cannibals. Ambrose. They think they're being oh-so-clever keeping it stashed away in the embalming suite, as if this isn't my favorite room in the house. Ah, yes. Here it is. We see Ambrose reaching into one of those little compartments that they put the bodies on, you know, with those uh, sliding-out trays. Cold storage. And Ambrose removes a broom. Sabrina has a huge, surprised smile on her face. Now remember... You have to act surprised when they give it to you. Sabrina, it's... it's gorgeous! A close-up of Ambrose, he clutches the broom and looks closely at it. Your aunt's commissioned it from a shaman in northern England, and carved from wood that was scavenged from the scaffolds used in 1692. Sabrina now holding the broom. I remember visiting the place where it happened. Hilda and Zelda took me years ago. Ambrose waves his hand in the air, and he creates an image. It's of Sabrina riding the broom at night, across a full moon. She looks happy, the wind blowing her hair. Ambrose says, When you fly, Sabrina Spellman, as a true witch, you'll be held aloft by the night sky, by the spirits of your ancestors. I think that's worth one night of sleeplessness, don't you? Salem and Ambrose, now on the couch, looking at Sabrina as she lights one of her many candles. The next day, quiet meditation and preparation at home. Ambrose, I wish I could go with you. Salem. 
But no males, human or feline allowed. Not on your first night with his high darkness. We now see Harvey playing football. Caption. While at the school, the proverbial worm keeps turning. It's an easy catch. There's no earthly reason Harvey shouldn't make it. And we have Mrs. Porter leaning forward, falling out of her dress. Her, her cleavage is out of control. She's saying to herself in her head, Look at me. And I guess Harvey was distracted? It's hard to say. Was it a spell or was it just Harvey is a boob man? But he misses a shot. Harvey, oh hell. Harvey's coach, Kinkle, are you blind? Bench now. Caption, soon. We see Mrs. Porter walking along the track with Harvey. Miss Porter, I'm so sorry, Harvey, if I distracted you. Harvey, nah, it's my fault. Coach says I have, like, trouble focusing. <laughs> You're a 16-year-old boy. You've got a lot of things on your mind. It's to be expected. Harvey, I guess, a large panel of the two. Harvey holding his football helmet still in his gear. Miss Porter still in the red dress. They're talking by a chain-link fence. Miss Porter. But I wanted to ask you, how's Sabrina feeling? Her aunt called the office to say they were keeping her home because she was sick? Nothing serious, I hope. Harvey. I, uh, I think it's a stomach virus. 24-hour thing. Close-up of Miss Porter looking sidelong at Harvey. Oh, good. That's a relief. I just posted the cast list and I'd hate to have to replace Sabrina with Rosalind. She's Quite the gossip, isn't she? Harvey. Who? Roz? Yeah, she's the worst. Miss Porter. I overheard her and some of her gal pals chatting about, uh, actually, it was about Sabrina. A panel focusing on Harvey. He looks over at Miss Porter. Wouldn't be surprised. Rosalind was sort of the queen bee around here until Sabrina showed up. And then things kind of, well... Miss Porter, steepling her fingers, shifted. As they sometimes do. I understand. Still, hearing Rosalind go on and on. Harvey, what was she saying? Miss Porter casually curling some hair behind her ear. Oh, I don't want to be telling tales out of school. But if you promise not to say anything to Rosalind. Harvey, I promise. Miss Porter trailing a finger down her chest. Cross your heart? Harvey touching his own chest. Hope to die. Miss Porter now leaning a shoulder against a wall. Well, I'm sure I misheard her, but she was saying something about Sabrina sneaking off into the woods at the edge of town at night. Harvey, Sabrina does? Miss Porter still leaning against the wall as Harvey heads to go into the boys' washroom. Miss Porter, to meet someone? A boy paramour? Could such a thing be possible? Focus on Harvey. He pauses. What woods? Now Hilda and Zelda watching television. The television. As twilight approaches, citizens of Greendale and neighboring townships are preparing for a rare sight indeed. A full lunar eclipse falling on Halloween. Something that hasn't happened in over 100 years. Hilda. We should be leaving soon. Zelda. They can't start without the guest of honor. But I agree, Hilda. I'll go fetch Sabrina. We're now in flashback. Young Sabrina, about 11 years old. Her hair tied back in a ponytail. She enters her Aunt Zelda's room. Her Aunt Zelda's painting. Caption. Interlude. August. 1962. Back at home. 
post-field trip. Young Sabrina. On Zelda, if I did decide to be baptized when I was 16, what exactly would happen? Zelda wide-eyed and grinning. Oh, Sabrina, it means so much to me that you're even asking. And now we have a series of five panels. Each one of the panels is divided into long strips, and in all of the panels is a hill with a stone altar on it, but over top is the moon, and in each panel the moon is at various stages of an eclipse. So, the first panel without the eclipse. Zelda's caption. As discussed, the ceremony would customarily take place on the first full moon after your 16th birthday. But, I've already had your astral chart prepared. And your 16th birthday falls not just on a full moon, but the best kind of full moon. A blood moon. The same night as a lunar eclipse. On Samhain. A close-up of Zelda. What she's painting seems to be a red face. I don't know if it's a portrait of uh, young Sabrina or whatever it is. It looks kind of creepy. She looks like she's grinning ear to ear. Her eyes are beady and she looks unhinged in this moment. She says, quite the infernal auspices, wouldn't you say? Caption and interlude. Zelda entering Sabrina's bedroom. Sabrina, all set? Sabrina off panel. You tell me, Aunt Zelda. How do I look? We see Sabrina. She is barefoot, wearing a pure white dress. Her hair is done up in the usual style. Her arms are outstretched. And draped around her shoulders and arms is a bright red scarf. Zelda. Oh, child. He'll be so pleased. Come, it's time to fly. Hilda, Zelda, and Sabrina take the back way out of their home. Caption. The backyard. Sabrina. What is that? Hilda. Exactly what you're thinking. Zelda. Well chosen, Ambrose. And we see Ambrose standing with Salem out in the back. And Ambrose is holding a rope. And tied to that rope is a black goat. It's, um... If you guys had seen that movie, The Witch, it's like Black Philip. Kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a Mendy's uh, goat, uh, Baphomet, powerful satanic symbol. And Ambrose says, Salem and I picked him out at McGinty's farm. His name's, and the goat, Baphomet. Salem, Baphomet eats a lot of grass. Stinky, but sweet, don't you think? Sabrina leaning out from behind her aunts. Okay, but what am I meant to do with him? Hilda. He's the sabbatic goat, Sabrina. You ride him. Zelda. Side saddle, of course. You know, side saddle is when, uh, if you've ever seen uh, women in royalty ride horses, it's where both legs are draped over the same side, as opposed to straddling a horse, or in this case, a goat. And we see a little panel of some trick-or-treaters. Let's see, we got a uh, well, we got a little boy dressed as Captain Pureheart, the Archie character. We got a little boy dressed as a devil. We got a ghost. Maybe he got a rock. And uh, we got a little girl, and she is some kind of cat? I'm not sure what she is. I think she's, she's, a, she's a cat, yeah. Caption, soon. More than a few trick-or-treaters with snacks full of candy, including 
one unlucky child with a razor blade and bedded apple amongst his now and laters and his moon pies. The devil kid, holy crap, will tell their parents they saw, or think they saw, strange things flying through the night sky above Greendale. We see Aunt Zelda riding her broom up into the sky, and Sabrina, big smile on her face, holding on to Baphomet, and the black goat is also flying through the air, and down on the ground, Hilda is calling out, Hold on, Sabrina. Hold tight. Sabrina, I am Aunt Hilda. I'm trying. Zelda, after tonight, you'll be able to fly on your own. Back to the caption. Little imagining that it was three witches, well, two witches and a half, yelling to be heard over the wind. We now have Baphomet, Sabrina, Hilda, and Zelda in the woods. Caption, the woods. Hilda, an area that's been cleared near the river where the old mill used to be. Sabrina, why there? Zelda, because it is an in-between place, child, in between the wilds of the wood and the settled of the town. The trio with Baphomet head through the woods. We see in the distance, the woods are lit blue. Caption, approaching the blue fire. Hilda, you have to pass through it barefoot. Don't worry, it won't burn your body. Zelda, only a soul, and only the tiniest bit. It is the final cleansing. Hilda, Sabrina now being consumed by this blue flame. Uh, aunties? Hilda, be brave. Deep breaths. Zelda, not much longer now. Flashback, 1962. Back with Zelda and young Sabrina. Zelda pointing her paintbrush at Sabrina. Sabrina, and after the blue fire? Zelda, we'll arrive at the sacred place. Zelda, Hilda, Sabrina, Baphomet are in the woods now standing amongst a large number of the witches of their current coven. Caption reads, The hollow where all the witches have gathered. Waiting for you, Sabrina, the latest initiate. The witches are all adorned in white robes and hoods. They're masked. They wave their arms and dance around Sabrina while she stands there with Baphomet. We'll dance then under the blood moon and the queen of the Sabbath will arrive riding a black stag. And sure enough, the queen of the Sabbath does arrive. She looks like a, um, a Catholic nun. She it looks basically exactly like a nun, black dress, white bib, full habit, except the, the, the major exception being that she has these long, twisted antlers coming out of her head, and the stag that she's riding is pretty cool looking. The caption, she'll dismount, take up the wafers, and call you forth. Queen of the Sabbath speaks blue flame surrounding her, the moon at full eclipse. The stag stands proudly behind her. Her eyes seem white. Approach me, Sabrina Spellman, and receive his unholy communion. Sabrina, kneeling at the stone altar. It's just like a, a communion, except a little bit more formal. So you, you have the, the chalice uh, and then the wafer cookie. 
Uh, the the stone altar, by the way, is engulfed with this blue flame, and in the back we can see the silhouettes of all the coven watching. The Queen of the Sabbath says, In the name of the fallen, and the defiled, and the blasphemed, Sabrina, Amen. Flashback, 1962. Zelda, with the saucer-like eyes of the painting behind her. Because our Dark Lord detests flour and salt, since bread is what the Christians eat and therefore intolerable to him, these wafers are made from crushed crickets and spiders and flies. So swallow fast, Sabrina, if you don't want to taste them. Young Sabrina, ew, gross. And then, Zelda, the blood sacrifice necessary for the conjuring. Present time, 1966. Hilda, handing Sabrina a machete. Take it, Sabrina. Sabrina. A machete? What? What am I hacking? Zelda. In the old days, it would have been a human sacrifice. But post-reformation, it's... Sabrina standing in front of Baphomet. Hilda. Baphomet. You rode him. Now you must slaughter him. Sabrina. No, I, I can't. Zelda. Yes, you can. Don't be weak. One swift, strong blow on the back of its neck, and it's done. The goat. Bah. Sabrina, with the machete high over her head. The telepathic heads of her ants floating around her. Hilda, don't falter now. Zelda, it's why Baphomet was reared. There is no greater honor for a... A loud scream. And Sabrina now completely drenched in blood, chops the head off of Baphomet. Flashback. Young Sabrina, I kill the goat? Zelda. Technically, yes, but once the deed is done... We now have Sabrina, in present time, standing there, her white dress drenched in blood, blood covering her face, the machete, her arm, the altar table. The queen of the Sabbath with her arms raised in the air, Turn around, girl. Turn and greet your king, the lord of the church of the night. And we see, standing behind Sabrina, over top the altar, a humongous humanoid form. The goat head is changed into a skull. It has tufts of black hair around the neck and shoulders. It's nude with cloven hooves and a long tail. He has long, gnarled claws, and in his hands, he is holding a black book. He has a long, red tongue snaking out of his open mouth. Zelda. The devil will be conjured in his living flesh. Panel. We see Martin the Crow watching everything. Zelda. And Della, queen of the Sabbath, will praise him. Everyone, arms outstretched. Sabrina, Zelda, Hilda, the queen... All the other witches in the coven in the background in silhouette. Blackened energy vapors swirling around them all. Della says, Hail Satan! And the coven will repeat in ecstasy. And now, with the devil at its center, this mass of women, this coven of witches, all in unison repeat endlessly, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan!
The skull-goat-headed devil now sits cross-legged in front of Sabrina, still covered in blood. He opens his humongous black book in front of her. Zelda's caption. And the devil will set his book on the altar and say, You danced for me, girl. You spilled blood for me. Now, write your name in my book and become my handmaiden. And a close-up of the devil. The skull gives away no features, but he holds up a quill. We now pull out. Sabrina and the Queen of the Sabbath stand there. Sabrina now holding the massive quill. It looks small in his hands, but it looks huge in Sabrina's. He sits cross-legged, awaiting her signature. Zelda's caption. And since he is your master, you will step up to the altar, bone quill in hand, and your hand will be shaking, and your lip will be trembling, but you'll know in your pitch black heart that there is no other way your dark destiny could have played out. Sabrina, still covered in blood, holding the quill, looking down at the book, and she reaches down and is about to sign her name. Zelda's caption. And so you will. Suddenly, Sabrina? And standing there like a slack-jawed idiot is Harvey Kinkle, holding a flashlight. What the hell are you doing? The devil, sitting there cross-legged, his book in front of him, tail swirling around. He has one hand up, stroking his billy goat beard. All the members of the coven looking towards Harvey, and in this case the camera, with hatred and surprise. Sabrina holding the quill, looking stunned. Ha, Harvey, I, I can explain. A black panel of the ghoulish, demonic face of Madame Satan. She says, the penny drops, the great harrowing begins. Next issue, Harvey Horrors. And that is going to do it for part three. Things are heating up. Harvey Kinkle, the boy you love to hate. Or maybe you like him. I don't know. I don't really like him. But then again, I understand why he needs to be around. To cause mayhem. Madam Satan has fucked over Sabrina. What is going to happen? I know. And next week, you will know. Until then, I am your horror host, Wes. Dead Air Night. Now and forever. And you've been listening to Panels of Blood.